Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and a continuation of what Moses is speaking to this next generation of Israel who are passing through to the promised land or who are about to. Uh, remember what Moses is doing. He's referring to the past. Uh, remember last week where we studied the uh, 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 the first of the two tablets who, that were destroyed. And now in continuation in chapter 10, Deuteronomy verse 1, Moses continues. He says, At that time, the Lord said to me, Hew for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. To hew is to carve. Carve for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. Remember, the first was uh, given by the Lord. That's from, if you recall our study from Exodus in Exodus 24, verse 12. The first set of tablets was given by the Lord. But here, this second set, uh, the Lord instructs Moses and says, hey, carve out two. Carve out two tablets of stone like the first and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood. This ark of wood, it's a gathering box. It's like, you know, if you were going to uh, walk through a valley and pick daisies and you were to, uh, to pick these daisies, well, you know, you have a basket under your arm and then with your other hand, you you know, you pick a daisy and you'd put it in a basket, a collection box. And that's what this is. It's like a collection or a gathering box made from the carpenter's tree. That's what this ark of wood translates as, a gathering box made from the carpenter's tree. I love this so much because, you know, if, if from in the Hebrew, it's Aaron, Aaron, Etz. It's so beautiful because remember, as New Covenant believers, we look at passages such as this, and it's like, wow, you know, Jesus Christ, and before his earthly ministry, you know, when he would work with his hands, it he was a, a carpenter. And it's so powerful when we study the Old Testament and we see these things written in the Hebrew, but at the same time, as New Covenant believers, how it just blows up for us to have this deeper understanding of this collection or a gathering box made from the carpenter's tree, this ark of wood. I like to think of me personally, I like to think of like a sanctuary, a church sanctuary as the ark of wood, a collection. It's where the saints gather where the saints gather, study the word of God, have fellowship, you know, mainly with the Lord, but also with one another. You see, and when you start to see and understand these deep concepts and teachings and precepts, as New Covenant believers, it will help you a lot of times when, you know, you, 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 you maybe for the first time enter a fellowship and you're like, wow, this is like a social club, you know, it's not, where's, where's the word of God? Where's the word being taught? And you have this deep understanding of, you know, the Aaron, Aaron, it's uh, this ark of wood. But then when you start to see and understand this gathering of the saints in a collection box, so to speak, or a room, uh, where uh, a space where the saints gather, a teacher stands at the pulpit and starts to teach and pour into these beautiful saints. And all of a sudden you start to think differently. Like, wow, this is deep. This is this is holy. What is happening in a sanctuary? What is happening in this collection and gathering place? This ark of wood, so to speak. And it's so powerful 
when we see these passages and understand that the law itself is a shadow of the things to come, which points to Jesus Christ. And as new covenant believers, we understand looking at these passages through the Torah, through the fifth book, Deuteronomy, that understand that we're not to go back to the law or abide into the law because in so doing, we leave Jesus Christ. And I don't want any of that, any of us to experience that or go through it. And if you're, if you're listening for the, for, listening for the first time and you're like, what in the world is this guy talking about? Well, listen to our study through Galatians, all of it. Listen to our study through Galatians, the introduction to Galatians and in Galatians, all of our studies. And we just finished that. So, you know, we have this base plate of the law. But then also this base plate as New Covenant believers of understanding the purpose of the law and the function of the law and understanding the dangers of the law. Yes, the law is holy, but it's the lesser glory. We are not to go to the law, but to abide in the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. In verse 2, and I will write, remember, I will write, this is the Lord saying to Moses, you bring the tablets and I will write on the tablets, the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke and you shall put them in the ark. And you see, so Moses has the tablets, God writes, and it's placed in this collection box for gathering together. Now, we see that, we understand that, but do you see what is happening? Moses has the tablets. The Lord himself says in verse two, I will write on the tablets, the words which were on the first tablets, which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. You shall put this in this uh, box or container, this gathering container, much like, you know, in the example I gave where you're picking daisies, you have the basket under one arm, and then with your other hand, you're reaching down, picking up a daisy and you're collecting them. Now you have this basket full of daisies. That basket full of daisies is your collection, is your collection for gathering all the daisies. Now, I say these things understanding that yes, we are new covenant believers and we see these things in the Torah, but turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a little refresher course because if you've been walking with, with us for a while, then you know you remember our study through 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beautiful brother Paul says this to the beautiful saints, the beautiful remnant. He says in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us or tended to by us. Written not with ink, he says, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, you see? Not on tablets of stone. It's, you see how the new interprets the old, the old interprets the new? I mean, when I say the new interprets the old, we just finished our study through Galatians. And now we stand on the rock of salvation, abiding in Jesus Christ, and we have these binoculars, and we look back to the Torah, the new interpreting the old, understanding the function of what the old is. And I speak of the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the, the law of Moses, which was added. 
And now we look at this passage from Deuteronomy 10 about the ark of wood, the collection, the gathering, and the Lord saying, Moses, you get the tablets and I'm going to write these things. And the Lord giving Moses these blueprints, these instructions on what to do. And the old interpreting the new. So we already did the new interpreting the old. Now we're doing the old interpreting the new. And as new covenant believers with this understanding of what we just looked at in Deuteronomy 10, we see here in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, clearly. It's not like you have to wonder about this. Clearly. Clearly. You. He's speaking to the remnant. Remember our study through Corinthians and uh, the, the the separation that ha- happened from the uh, from the leaven, separating away from the leaven, which was uh, uh, leavening the bunch. Clearly, you remnant saints of Corinth, he says. You see, clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. Now, is this reserved for the saints of Corinth? No. It's for the saints of today as well. It's for you and for me. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, tended to by us. You see, when Paul says, we're the scum of the earth, we're the trash, we have to make this distinction, you and me, we have to make this distinction between worker and field. The majority of Christians are in the field, the building of the Lord. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians, you'll understand. Paul, his entourage, ministry leaders, those who are with him. When I say entourage, it's those who's training in the next generation of, yes, righteousness, but of leadership. Such as Titus and Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, these beautiful, beautiful people. These are workers. Workers. You see, and when we make these distinctions between field and worker, the majority of saints are in the field. And Paul says, you know, we're the scum of the earth. You, you guys live like kings to the saints, he says, to the pew Christians. You guys live like saints. You guys are like kings. We, the workers, are like the scum of the earth because the world wants them dead. The world wants Christians. Friendliness with the world is enmity with God. You see, and at the same time, these ministers of righteousness of the Paul kind, those with him, ministered by us, tended to by us. When you hear me speak of this sanctuary example in in Deuteronomy 10, now, it's very holy. You must have eyes to see and ears ears to hear to understand that it is very holy. It's not just, you know, people coming to church, sit down, listen. Okay, he's done. Okay, I'm out of here. Let's go get something to eat. No. No, it's, that's carnal. That's the flesh. It's much deeper what is happening. And the person who teaches must be of this type. As is indicated in the word of God. When he says, ministered by us. That's a big deal because you remember those servants of Satan that we studied in 2 Corinthians and then also uh, Galatians? Not, not that kind, not that type of ministry, not ministered by those guys. Those guys are the pseudo-delphos, the pseudo-apostolos. 
ministered to by these very special people such as Paul, such as Priscilla, such as Aquila, such as Titus, such as Timothy. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you know what to look for. You see? You know what to look for. You go into a new fellowship, you hear the guy speak, it doesn't align with scripture. Next. You walk into a fellowship, hear the next guy teach, you say, okay, you know, uh, you know, he's the money preacher, he's teaching this, he's teaching that, he's aligned with this, aligned with that. Nope, I'm out of here. You know what to look for. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us. It's very holy. Of utmost holiness. The remnant becoming more bright. That's... This is the formula that has to happen in order for the remnant to become more bright. Not to become dull, but to be more bright. Ministered by us, he says, written not with ink. Ink is carnal, but by the Spirit of the living God. You see? But by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone. Tablets of stone is carnal. Tablets of stone is the flesh. Now he says, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. Now when I, you know, I say, you know, tablets are not of the flesh. And he says, but on tablets of flesh, but it's deeper. When I say the flesh, I think I speak of the carnal nature in our studies in the Old Testament. Observe Israel according to the flesh in our study through the Torah, mainly uh, Exodus, Numbers, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Observe Israel according to the flesh. Now, when these are written on tablets of flesh, all of a sudden it gives an awakening to the things of the Spirit. You see? Not on tablets of stone, that's Israel according to the flesh, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart, which is circumcision. Listen to our study through Romans, you'll understand. Circumcision. Because circumcision unto Christ, it is not of the flesh, it is of the spirit. In Christ, it's the only way a, a female can have circumcision. Because it's of the heart, it's not of the flesh. Of the flesh, it is impossible for a female. It is impossible for a female to be circumcised in the flesh. But in the spirit, it is absolutely possible. You see? And so we study the old interpreting the new, the new interpreting the old, and we have the full counsel of the word of God, and we continue to study. Turn to Deuteronomy 10. Let's go back now. Deuteronomy 10, when the Lord says in verse 2, And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. Moses is explaining to this next generation of Israel that's going to pass through the promised land. He's explaining this is what the Lord told me. And then now you see the obedience of Moses explaining to the second generation here in verse 3. So I made an ark of acacia wood. You see? So I made an ark of acacia wood. Now, it's very important to understand, you know, in, in, when he says this, what he does, when he explains what he does, it's very important to understand it's in complete and total obedience to the Lord. You see? 
Now, Moses did have his own uh, 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 part of uh, uh, disobedience unto the Lord, which came at a very heavy price because he's restricted from going into the promised land because of his disobedience. See, even in Moses, that first generation must die, which really speaks to us today. That first generation born into Adam must die. The flesh cannot enter paradise. The carnal nature cannot enter paradise. It is of the spirit. You and me, we must learn even more and more and more as we enter these last days how to walk according to the spirit, denying the things of the flesh. So I made an ark of acacia, what he says in verse 3, hewed, hewed two tablets of stone, like the first, and went up the mountain, having the two tablets in my hand, everything in obedience to the Lord. Just as the Lord says, Moses, you do this, now you see Moses doing it. In verse 4, and he wrote, the Lord, he wrote on the tablets according to the first, according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken. Remember, the Ten Commandments were given three times. The first time was the spoken word, you know, verbally, orally, it was given. And that was rejected by the people. They said, Moses, well, you don't let God speak to us. You speak to us, but you go talk to God and then you come back and you speak to us. Don't, don't let the Lord speak to us. You see, don't let the Lord speak to us. So the first 10 commandments, the first set of 10 commandments, which is spoken, rejected by the people. The second Ten Commandments, which was the first set of two tablets, also rejected by the people by their actions. So the first one was just flat, the first spoken Ten Commandments, just flat out rejected by the Lord. Like immediately the Lord spoke and then all of a sudden the people says, no, you know, Moses, you speak to the Lord and then you speak to us. We will listen to whatever you tell us to do, Moses. And we, we saw how that turned out. Just listen to our study through, you know, uh, Leviticus and Numbers. We saw how that turned out. Didn't it turn out so well? And then all of a sudden, the second set also read. I mean, it was the first spoken was rejected uh, uh, by the Lord spoke and Israel rejected by speaking. No, Moses, we don't want this. They spoke by speaking. The second set of tablets was rejected again, but by their deeds. You see? By their deeds, their actions did not reflect obedience to the Lord. You see, because Moses came down the mountain with Joshua, his assistant. The two came down the mountain. What's happening? I hear all this noise. What's happening? And all of a sudden they turn around the corner and boom, they see the golden calf and the people of Israel worshiping. Rejected the, the law of, of, of God, the Ten Commandments rejected. First Verbally, you know, they spoke, Moses, we don't want this. And then the next, by their deeds, their deeds were evil. And now this next set of Ten Commandments, the next set of two tablets, hewn by hand, by Moses, by human hand. That is, I say accepted, but by deeds, it was also rejected. But this, this second set of tablets, the third time that the Ten Commandments are given, it is not without blood. Spoken, 
no blood. First tablets, no blood. The second tablets, the third set of Ten Commandments, for the third time, accepted, rejected by deeds, but accepted. Why? Because of blood. Because of blood. I mean, when you study, I mean, we, 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 we studied this already. This is like a little refresher course if you've been walking with us for a while. When this third set of law was given, the, net, the second tablets of the Ten Commandments, the Lord gives it to Moses, and then all of a sudden you see the additive of, not I shouldn't say the additive, but you see the inclusion of blood sacrifice. You see? Everything here in obedience to the Lord. And so we see this in verse 4. He says, And he wrote on the tablets according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I made, which I had made. This is the, the, uh, the ark of acacia wood. Everything in obedience to the Lord. And there they are. Picture Moses pointing to this next generation, the first generation dead. And this, this, this next generation, the second generation, you know, even reflecting back as Moses is speaking, like, wow, you know, yeah, we did this as a people, as one assembly. Wow, you know, we did all these things. Remember when, you know, in, in last week when we studied, like, wow, you know, Moses, we wanted some kind of a pep talk. We're about to go over here and tell us the good things, Moses. Don't tell us these hard things. And Moses is telling them what they need to hear so that they don't forget. And Moses, picture Moses pointing to the second generation. Look, this is the ark right here that I speak of. This is the ark that you see. And there they are, he says in verse 5. Just as the Lord commanded me, he says. It's exactly as the Lord wanted. Now your move, next generation your move, next generation. Now, you hear us speak, we're in Deuteronomy 10. And since we started Deuteronomy 1, how many times did you hear us say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, even reiterating what Moses says, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, 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 remember. You know what happens when we get, I mean, like, you know, we're about to finish uh, 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 the Torah. And you know what happens when we get to Joshua? They forget. I mean, you hear me say, you hear us when we study this, it's like, you know, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, remember, 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 remember. And you're like, okay, I get it, you know, don't forget, don't forget, I, I, I understand, you know, remember, remember, remember. But all we like sheep have gone astray. It's part of the carnal nature we tend to forget. We tend to not remember. It's part of this earth suit that we have. It's the corrupt which will put on incorruption one beautiful glorious day but that doesn't mean we have to remain in a state of the same corruption we could move on we can grow we can retain these things and when i say that i i, I don't speak in a carnal sense like you know like in a workspace sense but i speak in a complete total submission to the lordship of jesus christ and remember when you have the, don't forget the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a helper. Not just a helper, your helper. To help you. To help you. I'll say it again. To 
help you, the Spirit of our Lord, inside of you. And I don't want to scare you by saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you see, a lot of people have religion. They believe in Jesus Christ, but never, ever, ever forget how the Holy Spirit skipped Simon because of his wickedness. Listen to our study through the book of Acts. You'll understand. You see, I I don't want to scare you by saying if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, but a lot of times people have religion over relationship. And you can see it in the fruit. All you have to do is look at the fruit. That's all you have to do. Just like the Lord says, look at the fruit, observe the fruit. In some cases, you'll see nasty, rotten fruit, disgusting. That's like, you know, what you see of the, it's of the flesh, yes. But you see a lot of that among non-believers. Just nasty, rotten fruit. But among believers, you also can see rot. And where you see rot in fruit, a lot of times, they're like the Simons. The majority of times, in my experience, they're like the Simons, where they believe in Jesus Christ, but don't forget, even the demons believe. Do the, do the demons obey Jesus Christ? No. You see? And that's why belief must not exclude obedience. Belief must include obedience. Thus fulfills what Brother James writes, inspired of the Spirit. Faith without works is dead. I mean, picture James, beautiful Brother James. Faith is dead. Imagine him saying faith is, he didn't say that, but I'm just saying, imagine him saying that faith is dead. You say, wait a second, Brother James, Brother James, come on, what are you talking about? Faith is dead? How do you, what do you mean faith is dead? If faith is dead, then how do, how are we even saved? If faith is dead, then how does, how do we even, how can we live the Christian life? And then he has a smile on his face and he says, I didn't say faith is dead, period. I said faith is dead, comma, without works. And he said that to kind of rattle you, to get your attention. Because your eyes are in the world, your eyes are the lust of the flesh, the eyes are in the world. And he says, hey, faith is dead. Just to kind of rock your world a little bit, get your attention to approach Brother James and say, what are you talking about? Faith is dead. I don't want my faith to be dead. And then there's a smile on his face and he says, okay, faith is dead, comma, without works. Without works. Now, when I say without works, it is obedience. When James says it, he's referring to obedience. He's not referring to, oh, I got to get 10 converts and, you know, do all these works and be like Martha and I'm saved like this. No, obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, yielding to the word, yielding to his spirit. See, the Holy Spirit of the Lord will never, ever, ever lead a person away from truth. Never. Another spirit will, but not the spirit of our Lord. And it's so powerful when we have this understanding, again, the new interpreting old, old interpreting new. And you see this Old Testament example when Moses, I mean, it's not just an Old Testament example, but, you know, of these these very things that, that we apply to our lives today because it's like, well, okay, Moses, I get it. Say we're in the, the second generation. 
Moses, I get it. You're telling us, remember, remember, remember. Moses, you're telling us, don't forget, don't forget. You're even using like, you know, what happened to our parents and, you know, you're including us because we get it. We're part of the assembly of Israel and, you know, come on, Moses, t tell us something good. Tell us something good. And Moses is going to tell them beautiful things, but these, these aspects of beautiful things mustn't exclude the painful aspects so that we can understand, okay, we can't forget. But you know what's going to happen? We're going to get to the book of Joshua and people will forget. You see? And that's what happens to us. We forget. When we lose focus on the Lord, we forget. How does that happen? All kinds of different reasons. Usually the lust of the flesh. Taking our eyes off of Jesus Christ. Taking our focus away from the word and being focused on the world. Being focused on, you know, the, being lured by whatever kind of... Satan, Satan knows how to trap people. <clears throat> how to trap people. Satan knows how to... How to lure people and people buy into it. You see, never, ever forget that Satan is a fisherman too. Satan is a fisherman too. And he's wise. He doesn't have holy wisdom, but he knows holy wisdom. He knows about it. But he does have a brand of wisdom. It's evil. Just like there's worldly wisdom, there's satanic wisdom, there's worldly wisdom, but then there's godly wisdom. And these are things that can lure us. How are you? Okay, well, I think this would be good for me, so therefore I'm going to do this. And all, it's a trap. And that's what we're going to see as we continue our study through the Old Testament. And, you know, when we have this understanding of the Torah as New Covenant believers... It's going to break your heart. It's going to kill you. If, I mean, it does it for me. I, I, don't, I, mean, I hope it does for you so we have this understanding. But I don't say I hope it does for you because I want you to have a broken heart. I say I hope it does for you as well. Because we're going to get into Joshua and be like, what is happening, you guys? Then we're going to keep reading what is happening. But we're also going to understand that the Lord is reactionary. He responds to obedience. He responds to disobedience. Why? Because he loves his children. He disciplines. He chastises those whom he loves. And he's the same. He hasn't changed even as new covenant believers. He disciplines those whom he loves. And we get ourselves in all kinds of mess. All kinds of mess. But yet we learn, we grow, we mature, you see? And so Moses, in this exhortation to this next generation, parentheses in verse 6, now, you know, this is a, a little side note, which he, you know, in, in the begins the parentheses in verse 6, but the parentheses end in verse 9. A little side note, he says, now the children of Israel, this is verse 6, now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benedjekan, to Moserah, where Aaron died. Remember, the first generation died. Aaron is included. Moses is included. And where he was buried, and Eleazar, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. You see, this is the next generation as high priest. The influence of beautiful dad, beautiful uh, Aaron. Not when he was with the golden calf, 
but the aftermath of repentance to the Lord, the aftermath, the restoration of what the Lord did in Aaron and used him as high priest. And now he's a beautiful influencer to his son, Eleazar. You see? Now, Aaron was also an influencer when he was at the golden calf. You see, it is, you know, how do you want to influence people? I say people, but let's boil it down. How do you want to influence, if you're a parent, how do you want to influence your children? If you're a child, say you're a, a, a child and you're the only Christian in your home, how do you want to influence those in your roof? Do you want to be an influencer of evil or an influencer of things righteous? I say it again, the ball's in your court. Your move. And I don't say that like in a mean sense of, okay, you know, you, you know, do your thing. You know, I, I don't mean it like that, but I mean like, let your light shine. You see, let your light shine. Choose to be an influencer of things beautiful and righteous. I mean, if you're, a, I say, if you're a parent, you know, I, you know, don't forget that Jesus Christ speaks of the, the, the millstone. You know, never forget the millstone. I mean, I say choose wisely, but I mean, you know, the the Lord kind of gives, it's pretty hardcore if you choose unwisely. Jesus Christ says to parents and children are the, the most very formative years of their life. And he says to anybody who steers my little ones away, he says, it is much better, emphasis on it is much better for that parent or whoever steers my little ones away. It is much better for that person to walk on a bridge, you know, not alone, to walk on a bridge with a big fat millstone. Roll it, you know, it's too heavy to carry, so you got to roll it, you know, and then it's, it's pretty, it's going to take you a while because it's super heavy. And to take a rope, tie it around the millstone. And then take the other end of the rope and tie it around your neck. And the Lord says, it is much better to take that millstone and push it off the bridge and let it sink into the sea. And remember, there's a rope on that millstone, which has your neck on the other end of it. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, it is much better for a person who steers one of my little ones away. It is much better for them to do exactly that. So, I mean, I say, you know, choose wisely, but I mean, don't forget the Lord. You know, it is also written. The Lord places some heavy emphasis on teaching children. You see? What is it that you want to be an example of? Walking according to the flesh? Walking according to the passions of the flesh, the earthly desires? Or walking according to the Spirit? You see? I say choose wisely, but that alone is pretty loaded because don't forget the, you know, it is written, the millstone is a pretty big one. And so all of a sudden, in verse 6, now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benejekan to Moserah, where Aaron died and where he was buried. And Eleazar, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. You see, now you see uh, Eleazar, you know, influenced by dad, Aaron, the aftermath of his repentance and how beautiful it is. 
You see, and don't forget his previous two, his first two sons, they died. Remember they offered strange fire and the Lord consumed them with fire. I wonder if they had a little bit of the influence of their dad when he was at the golden calf. I wonder. It's not captured anywhere in scripture that that's what happened. But I just wonder. You know, it was the two eldest. Maybe the two younger didn't have that understanding. So the two eldest, maybe they remember, oh yeah, dad did this. Oh yeah, dad did that. Oh yeah, dad did this. Dad did that. I wonder if there was a little bit of influence of Aaron before he repented and was made right before the Lord. I wonder. But then now for, you know, the, the next the next uh, children, remember, the, the, uh, uh, um, the, the, they offered strange fire. The first kids of, of Aaron, they offered strange fire. The Lord killed them. And now you see the beautiful influence of Aaron in the aftermath of his repentance on his children, on Eleazar, who's now high priest, serving in his stead because Aaron is dead now. But then at the same time, don't forget the influence of beautiful Uncle Moses. Uncle Moses, Eliezer has the influence of Uncle Moses. Don't forget the, the two kids who were uh, who offered strange fire, who the Lord killed. They also had the influence of Uncle Moses, but they made their choice. And Eliezer, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. What a double whammy, you know, influence of uh, uh, Aaron, influence of Uncle Moses. In verse 7, from there, they journeyed from uh, Good Goda, and from Good Goda to Jotbatha, a land of rivers of water. At that time, the Lord separated, which is to distinguish and mark. The Lord separated the tribe of Levi, the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood, you know, does include, yes, the priesthood. But, you know, when you see this priesthood, remember, it's to serve to, to, they have a responsibility to serve in the capacity of this ministry. Making people, the whole point, making people right with God. The whole point, making people right with God using the strictness of the law. You see, using the strictness of the law. Remember, the law is the additive. The law was added. Listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand. The law was added. And so this holy priesthood, which I don't want to say sole responsibility, but like, you know, the, one of the major, if among top priority, they have to be clean themselves. You see, they have a responsibility to be clean because only the clean can clean. Only the, only the crucified can correct. Only the clean can clean. The unclean cannot clean. The clean can clean. It sounds like so basic. But I love it. Because it is basic. Simplicity in Christ. Only the clean can clean. It just so happens that we studied this in our study in Galatians. You who are non-carnal. You see? Only the clean can clean. Only the crucified can correct. Outside of that, it's called hypocrisy. Don't do that. You say, wait a second. So this pastor's a hypocrite. How can he correct? Exactly. Bingo. How can he? 
You see, oh, this lady's talking to me about, you know, being a, a, a gossip. And look, she's a gossiper herself. So how, how can she even do that? You're right. How can she? Well, if that's the case, then how can anybody, how can anybody correct? How can anybody? You have to be crucified. You see, only the crucified can correct. Otherwise, it is hypocrisy. You say, wait a second. So I look at the church today and wow, the church is in trouble. Bingo. You see, it's the carnal nature, the flesh. You say, wow, you know, you put it like that, but is it really, is it really that simple? Yes, absolutely. It's really that simple. But the church is in trouble. Yes. I don't. You know, sometimes people say, oh, you're too hardcore. You teach like this and that's too hardcore. How dare you say it like that? But really, it's simple. You know, why mince words? Why mince words? Let's be straight up. Let's be straight. There's, there is total simplicity in Christ. Complete and total simplicity in Christ. You know, when we try to complicate the word of the Lord, you know, I like to think of like little text cheats. If you ever see like tax cheats, you know, people, a lot of wealthy people, sometimes you have like poor people who are tax cheats because they're trying to build the system, but you have a lot of wealthy people who are trying to build the system as well. And they study the tax code, they study the tax code and they're like, okay, you know, so I have all these assets and so how do I do the tax code? You know, I shelter everything and trust in this area, in this land, in this country over here because this state has certain tax laws and so I wrap it in the trust and they're just tax cheats. They're building the system and they study the tax code so that they can advance, so they can build and protect their assets. And there's there's godly ways to build and protect assets, but not by building the system. Then you look at poor people. That's real rich people. You say, okay, yeah, these filthy rich people, how dare they? Well, poor people do it too. Have you ever talked to a poor person that, man, they really like... They're like lawyers, you know, they're, they, they like know the, oh yeah, so, you know, I don't have to pay rent because, you know, there's this faulty pipe over here. So yeah, I'm going to live in your apartment for, you know, 10 months with no rent because, you know, uh, of this little pipe leak that you have. And so therefore these laws, and they start to cite these laws, you know, oh, in accordance to statute 2582 slash B, uh, you know, they start to cite all these things. It's like, whoa, are you a lawyer? No, I'm just building the system. You see? It's the carnal nature. It's the flesh. It's the flesh. And so, Old Testament, New Testament. People need to be right with the Lord. And it's so simple. It's so simple. And so, you know, it's like, well, wait a second. If it's so simple, why do people complicate it? Exactly. That's what I want to know. We're in the same boat. That's what I want to know. Why make it so complicated? And sometimes, you know, just like that little text cheat, just like that little, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the rich, poor, it doesn't matter. The little cheat who likes to analyze things. Oh, yeah, I'm an attorney. I'm like a lawyer. I'm going to do these things and study these things to advance my, you know, I, I, I don't want to pay rent for two years. And so how do I do this? Okay, the tax code says this or the, the, the housing code say this. The housing laws say this. And so, okay, the, the tenancy laws, they say this. So like, okay, I'm never going to pay rent. Bilking the system. That's the poor person. But the rich person does the same thing. Let me look at the, Let me analyze the tax code. You're like, wow, you're like a tax attorney. You see? 
Wow, you're like an attorney. You're like the housing attorneys. Like, how do you cite these things? Well, they study because they want to advance their flesh. It's the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. They want to advance the flesh. What's good for me? What's good for me? I want to advance what's good for me. And it's like, wow, you know, to be eternally minded, you have to get rid of that the carnal mind. In order to be eternally minded, you have to get rid of the carnal mind. And so a lot of times people study the scriptures, which is a beautiful thing. But don't forget, Jesus Christ even said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures. You think like, okay, that's good. They study the scriptures. But then he says, because in them, the scriptures, you think there is found eternal life. You see, it's like, wait a second. The scriptures do have eternal life. Yes, absolutely. But what is the condition of the reader's heart? He says to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. In, in them you think there is eternal life. He said, wait a second. Why would Jesus, the very word which became flesh, why would he even say that? Because he knows the heart. He knows the heart. They were studying the scriptures. Yes, you say, okay, that's a good thing to study the scriptures. The Bible says study the scriptures to show yourself approved. The Bible says, encourages us to be Bereans. So, okay, let's study the scriptures. But what is the condition of the heart? So you can look for the little, little loopholes. So you can look for the loopholes. Okay, so, you know, I'm addicted to sex, drugs, and alcohol. So I'm going to study the scriptures to look for my little loophole. Okay, so I'm a sex head. You know, I do my pornography. I do the strippers. I have a couple of prostitutes on the side. And, you know, okay. And, you know, this pastor's saying that that's not good. And this other guy's saying that's not good. And this lady's saying not good. And so let me study the scriptures to see how I can, you know, continue to do these things of the flesh. Okay, don't judge lest you be judged. Don't judge lest you be judged. So therefore, I'm free. You know, I can do whatever I want. I have freedom in Christ. You see? That's when the Lord says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. That's being a little, like a little tax cheat. Searching the scriptures to advance your flesh. A lot of times people do that. Oh, the spirit of our Lord, he's directing me to do this. The Lord is directing me over here. The Lord is directing me over there. The Lord is just directing me to do this. The Lord is directing me to do that. Well, what is the condition of your heart? Are you like the tax cheat to make to to advance the flesh to advance the carnal nature? It's hardcore. It's very hardcore. But what about when we study the scriptures and the Lord hammers us? Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. You know why? Because we come to the scriptures. With We're in these earth suits. You and me, we're in these earth suits. We come to the scriptures, we read, and it's like, oh my goodness, wow, Lord, that it hurts. That's painful. And I say praise be to the Lord for a reason. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter uh, 12. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, the writer says this. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. We study the scriptures. 
And it's like we study the scriptures. If you study the scriptures because you're looking for those little loopholes to advance your flesh and you can say, wow, look at what the Lord is saying. The Lord wants me to do this. The Lord is directing me here. The Lord wants me to do this. And yeah, but you're like a tax cheat. The example I gave, okay, you know, I want to do my strippers. I want to do my prostitutes. I want to do my pornography. So I'm going to look for the little loopholes. I'm going to search the scriptures in obedience. Just like, you know, I want to be a Berean, you know, study the scriptures to show yourself to prove. And I want to show myself approved. So I'm going to study the scriptures so I can keep doing these things in the flesh. And that's like Jesus Christ saying, you search the scriptures and you think, okay, good. The Lord Jesus Christ is telling me I search the scriptures. There, confirmation right there that I'm, I got the green light. Confirmation that I'm good to go with the Lord. But don't forget, it is also written. For in them you think you have eternal life. Whoa. Whoa. That's a little different. Searching the scriptures is a good thing, but what are you searching for? You see, searching the scriptures is beautiful. But my question to you is this. What are you searching for? Oh, I'm searching for Jesus. Okay. The Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus, Genesis to Revelation, the word became flesh, the real him, the son of the most high, seated at the right hand of God in whom spirit is inside of you. If he's inside of you, him. Or are you searching for another Jesus who will permit you to walk according to your flesh? According to your carnal nature? Are you looking for the loopholes to say, oh yeah, look, the Bible says this. So you know what? I can keep doing my sex. I can keep doing my drugs. I can keep doing my alcohol. I can do this. I can do that. I can go here. I can go there. Look, everything's fine and dandy. Look, the Lord said confirmation. The Bible says this and therefore eh, confirmation. You search the scriptures, but for what? That's hardcore. That's that's a realm that I can't enter. But you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. As do I. We are a people who have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible doesn't say work out your own salvation. Work out your own own salvation. Not another person's. Your own. You and the Lord. Work out your salvation. Since it's you and the Lord, do you fear Him? You see? Do you tremble before Him? That's hardcore. It's a realm that I cannot enter. I can teach, I can exhort. But ultimately, the ball's in your court. You see? We, you and me together, we need to learn to walk according to the Spirit more and more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper because a lot of people walk according to the flesh and they can't. It's probably terrible to laugh, but, you know, I just think of like, you know, a lot of people. And I look back on my own self, too. My own self, too, walking according to the flesh. And, you know, the Lord hammered me 
When I say these things, when I teach, I don't teach to just say like, hey, look, I saw this on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. The guy says this. It sounded nice, you know, got a good chuckle from the audience. And so I'm going to get a good chuckle for you. So I'm going to say this too. No, that's what the fool does. That's what the hireling does. I tell you these things from experience. I've been hammered by the Lord. And yeah, it hurt. But just as Hebrews 12 says in verse 11, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. You say, wow, this isn't, this isn't joyful. No chastening is joyful. What, joy, what chastening is, is joyful? It's joyful in the aftermath. He says, but painful nevertheless afterward. You see, afterward, it yields. 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 I'll say it again. It yields which is a very tangible thing it yields the peaceable fruit tangible peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. you say wait a second you say tangible but i can't touch it i can't feel it why do you say tangible you need eyes to see you need ears to hear you see when you have that, then you'll understand what I say, tangible. Because faith itself is a substance. The carnal, the non-believers, faith isn't a substance. Come on, you guys are crazy. I mean faith is a substance. But to the believers, to the living, not to the dead, to the living, as the word teaches, faith is a substance. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. You need spiritual eyes. You see? That's hardcore. But there's no other way to live. And hardcore in these last days will help you. Softness in these last days. Whew, whew. A lot of people are in trouble. You see? But I don't teach to the dead. I teach the living. And so look what happens here. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 10. In verse 8, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi. Remember, the whole purpose for people to be right with the Lord, the separation of this these uh, ministry leaders to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him and to bless him. In his name to this day. You see? Now, as New Covenant believers, we stand on the rock of salvation with these binoculars looking at the Torah. And we're like, oh my goodness, what happened? Something went wrong. Something went terribly wrong. Why is it that these very religious leaders of the uh, of the Levitical priesthood and the Kohanim, why did they want to kill Jesus Christ? They should have bowed before him. What went wrong? Blindness blindness they didn't have eyes to see they didn't have ears to hear and if the blind follow the blind both will fall into a ditch but it is the same to this day you say wait a second we're new covenant believers what do you mean it's the same to this day yeah the law the law of moses is still in effect today we don't abide in it as christians as new covenant believers now i say this i say as christians with 
the notion in my head and the notion unto you that you and me, we are abiding in Jesus Christ. If you are no longer abiding in Jesus Christ, you are under the law. I'll give you the example. Say I, I beat up my wife, I cheat on my wife, I do the prostitutes, I do the strippers, I'm a gambler, I do all kinds, I'm an alcoholic, I do the drugs, I do all these things. Number one, I can no longer teach the Bible. I am biblically disqualified. So now what happens? I am under the law because I am no longer abiding in Christ. I am under the law and the law kills. If I die without Jesus Christ, I will burn in hell. That's the example of the law. The law is still in effect because since, you know, in that example, which is a terrible example, but I use this terrible example to jolt you and rock your world so that you can understand the function of the law, which is still holy. But it is a tutor to bring us to Christ. So in that example, I can teach. And so all of a sudden, what happens? Oh, you know, once saved, always saved, so I'm good to go. No, false doctrine will kill me if that were the case. If that were the case, and I listened to some of these false teachers with another spirit, a different gospel, a different Jesus. Oh, yeah, once saved, always saved, good to go. No big deal. I can beat my wife, cheat on my wife, couple prostitutes here, strippers, do the math, do the gambling, cheat on my taxes, do all these things. Oh, once saved, always saved, good to go. I'm going to burn in hell. Straight up, burn in hell. And I have no one to blame. I can't blame the Lord. No, I have no one because my deeds were evil, if that were the case. And if I am not abiding in Christ, it is the law itself, which would, as a tutor, would bring me back to Jesus Christ if I listen to the tutor. Remember, I, you know, not to, not, not to advocate Catholicism. Catholicism is unbiblical. Catholicism is unbiblical. It is not Christianity. But I think back to my Catholic days as a child, you know, the, the hardcore nuns, you know, with the big whips and, you know, they have these big, like the big sticks, you know, the, the whip, you know, and the, the, the Catholic nuns, they have these big whips. And if you're, if you're like hardcore and, you know, little wickedness, if you're hardcore, then the nuns who are hardcore themselves, like, you know, but they, but they'll send you to the principal and the principal who's like super hardcore. And so, you know, that's what I think about, you know, the, like the, when, when the Bible says the law is a tutor, you know, the schoolmaster, I think of those, you know, those nun schoolmasters, you know, not to, not to cheapen the, the Bible, not to cheapen the word by referring to these Catholics, which is not Christianity. It is unbiblical. But these nuns were hardcore and the schoolmaster hardcore, the principal hardcore. And that's what the law is, a little whip, you know, whoopsh, little whip. Tutor, schoolmaster, you know, nowadays you talk to millennials and Z generation and say, oh, you're a tutor, you know, oh, a schoolmaster, no big deal, because they don't understand this concept. They don't, they, snow, not for snowflakes, snowflakes need not apply. No, we got to be hardcore. Wow, the law's a schoolmaster. Old school schoolmasters, you know, they were hardcore. The law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And in that example, the law would bring me to Christ if I heard the law, if I heeded the law. But if I refused the law and continued on in the wickedness, you know what happens? All of a sudden comes the wrath of God. 
God's judgment. You say, wait a second, the wrath of God, that's for revelation. That's not for now. No, listen to our study through number or through Romans 1. The wrath of God falls on individuals. Now, since I said it, well, let's refer to it. Turn really quick to Romans 1. And in Romans 1, we see this. Romans 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God. It's right there. Romans 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You see, that's what happens. The wrath of God is going to fall on the world. The wrath of God is going to come to the world just as it came to the world in times past. But when you read the book of Revelation, when you see the warnings of the prophets, when you see the warning of the apostles, when you see the warning of Jesus Christ himself, the wrath of God is coming. Precursory to the wrath of God upon the world, the wrath of God comes to individuals who, as the Bible says in Romans 1 verse 18, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And that's what would happen to me in that example I gave if I refused to listen to the tutor, the schoolmaster. And I remained in my wickedness and I got even more wicked. Oh yeah, so I'm going to beat on my wife. I'm going to cheat on my wife. The strippers, the prostitutes, the pornography, the meth, the crack, the coke, the whiskey, the bourbon, the vodka, cheat tax cheat, cheat over here, do the Buddha, do all these things, do my yoga, go to my hot yoga classes, do all these crazy things, the works of the flesh, and the whole time, the tutor's like, you know, you know, whipping, you know, psh, 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 trying to get me in, hey, get back to Christ, get back to Christ, get back to Christ, and I refuse, boom, the wrath of God, the wrath of God on individuals, you see? That's what happens. Listen to it to, to have a deeper understanding. Listen to our study through Romans 1. You'll understand it while you're at it. Listen to all of Romans. If you're Calvinist, if you're Reformed, you know, pay attention to Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 because you'll understand predestination, biblical predestination. You see? Oh, you're too hardcore. You're too mean-spirited. What are you talking about mean-spirited? That's life. We're talking about life and death, but I'm talking about real life and death. Second death. I don't want the second death for anybody. Why? Because I care for your soul. Why? I don't know. The Lord wants me to teach. You see? I have to be obedient to Him. I can't. I will not. I refuse to candy coat His word. Because it's life and death. And I'm not talking about fake like life and death in accordance to the ways of the flesh. I'm talking about real life and death. Paradise or second death. And I'm not called to teach the dead. I'm called to teach the living. You see? Going back to Deuteronomy 10. In Deuteronomy 10 verse 9. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance. <laughs> Levi, I'll say that again. Levi has no portion nor inheritance. Remember Paul, when Paul says, we're the scum of the earth, we're trash. You guys are kings, we're the trash. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians, you'll understand. 
making this distinction between workers and the field, the field and the workers, the pew and the pulpit, so to speak. Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren, you see. I read that and I think of Brother Paul, a Pharisee, a former Pharisee, a Pharisee, a student of Gamaliel. When he says, we're the scum of the earth. But you guys, you guys are like kings. We're the scum. We pour into you. You guys have it good. You guys are already rich. You say, wait a second, I, you call me rich, but I, I only have $5 in my bank account. Are you abiding in Christ? Yeah. You're rich, my friend. You're rich. It's a richness that is not of this world. Oh, but you know, I read the Bible and you know, the Lord is telling me this. I'm looking for these little loopholes and therefore I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Look, thus saith the Lord. So I'm abiding in Christ. Everything's good. Are you really abiding in Christ or are you following the flesh? I'm telling you, it's hardcore. It's hardcore. And even still, Levi has no portion nor inheritance. If you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, I'll say this. A slave is not greater than his master. Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is, in his, is his inheritance. How beautiful is this? The Lord is in his, is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. You see, if you're a pastor, if you're listening, if I were to give a pastor's conference or a teacher's conference, we would study this hardcore. Verse 8 and 9, we would study this hardcore. But if you're a pastor, you study this hardcore. In light of what we know, what we study in Leviticus, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. If you're wondering, what is he talking about? Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan? What is that? Listen to our study through Leviticus and you'll understand. Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. In verse 10, As at the first time I stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord also heard me at that time, and the Lord chose not to destroy you. That's pretty sobering. That's pretty sobering. Imagine, you know, if we're that second generation of Israel, we're listening to Moses. We look to our side. We look to one side and we see the promised land. We look to the other side and we see Moses and we're listening to Moses and we're like, you know, chomping at the bit. We want to go to the promised land. We want to go to the promised land. We look to the other side and we see the, the old guy, the old guy speaking, you know, come on, Moses, tell us the good things. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us, tell us that things are going to be beautiful for us. And Things will be beautiful if, if, that's a big if, you see, to remember the Lord, to don't forget him, to honor him, to obey him. You say, how is that a big if? It's a piece of cake. Absolutely. Simplicity. Simplicity. You know what makes it hard? The flesh, the carnal nature, Old Testament, New Testament, the flesh, the carnal nature. 
You see, I'm not advocating the law and saying, hey, let's obey the law. I'm saying, let's obey the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. But that same battle applies to Israel. So picture that. We're that second generation. We look to one side, we see the promised land. We look to the other side, we see old Moses, the old guy. The old guy teaching. There he goes. He's teaching again. And there he goes. He's talking about the, our, our ancestors. He's talking about our fathers. He's talking about mommy and daddy who are now dead. Come on, Moses. Tell us something good. We want to go to the promised land. We're chomping at the bit to go to the promised land. But then you get to verse 10. The Lord also heard me at that time. And the Lord chose not to destroy you. Whoa. Whoa. Moses, did you pray for us? Yeah, I prayed for you. What did the Lord tell you? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. But everything's going to be okay for you. You don't want to know. Remember Eli and Samuel? Samuel, did the Lord speak to you? Yes. What did he say? You don't want to know, Eli. Come on, come on, tell me. No, 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 it's okay. Okay, I insist. Samuel, tell me, what did the Lord say? Okay, since you insist, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not the bad guy here. You insisted, so now I'm going to tell you. Okay, I'm jumping at the bit. What did he say? What did he say? Okay, the Lord says that you're going to be dead, and your, your kids are going to be dead, and so are you. You see? The intercession of Moses. You see intercession all through the Bible, parental intercession, intercession of the righteous. You see? The Lord heard me at the time, he says in verse 10, and the Lord chose not to destroy you. And he's telling this to the next generation so that they can learn. This, I mean, this is a hardcore lesson. I mean, I wonder if like the liberals of today, the snowflake generation of today would say, Moses, don't, don't say it like that. Just tell them that things are going to be fine. Don't tell them that the Lord chose not to destroy them. Come on, that's, that's too mean-spirited, Moses. No, they need to hear this. They need to understand because they need to learn to fear the Lord. It's entirely possible to learn the fear of the Lord. I want us all, myself included, we're in the same boat, to learn more and more and more and more the fear of the Lord. Whoa, it is, don't you want good things? Yes, I, absolutely, I want good things. But those good things are a byproduct of the fear of the Lord. Verse 11, he says, Then the Lord said to me, Arise, begin your journey before the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Remember, this is this is all, you know, when, when the Lord is telling Moses that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers. You know who the fathers were? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Where were the Ten Commandments? Where were the Ten Commandments? They weren't there. The law was added because of trespass, because of sin, because of the carnal nature. You see, the law was added. The Lord doesn't say, you know, which I swore to their fathers to give them according to the law. No, 
he says, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them, and we know through our study through Genesis and through Galatians too, other passages as well, that it is according to promise. Ten commandments were not given to Abraham. Ten commandments were not given to Jacob. Were not given to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. They were given to Moses. And in obedience, Moses to give them to the people. In verse 12, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God, what does the Lord your God require of you? Now, this is a hardcore question. Now there's no question mark here. There's a comma I read out of the New King James Version. But in verse 12, what does the Lord God, the Lord your God require of you? Now, there's no question mark here. The question mark comes at the end of verse 13. But I'm going to put a question mark here. It's a little, little grammatical adjustment. What does the Lord your God require of you? Question mark. That's my additive. Grammatical additive. What does the Lord your God require of you? Question mark. But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Now, I read out the New King James and I made a little gra- grammatical adjustment to help you understand I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form, but I do advocate the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of the promise. His name is Jesus Christ. You and me to abide in him. And what does the Lord your God require of you? Notice, fear the Lord. Walk with him. Love him and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and to keep the statutes. Now that's, this is the Torah. This is Deuteronomy. This is in accordance to the statutes and accordance to the law. We're spoiled today. You know why? Because it's much easier today. Much, 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 much easier today. Because there's only one man. There's only one, capital O. There's only one man, capital M. There is only one who has fulfilled all the law and the prophets. The fulfillment of the law, Son of the Most High. His name, Jesus Christ. And we abide in Him. You and me together, we abide in Him. I like to say, get in the ark. We're in the ark. You see? If you're listening for the first time or if you're listening and you, you know, you've been listening for several times and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I say to you, get in the ark. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. Today is the day of salvation. It's for your good. God loves you. We continue in verse 14. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens translates as, you know, when it's written in the Hebrew, indeed, heaven and the heaven of heavens. Belong to the Lord your God, also the earth, with all that is in it. Remember our study through 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, when Paul is explaining the vision that he had? Or, you know, he didn't know whether I was in the flesh or I was actually there. I don't know. Me personally, I think it was actually there. 
just like uh, John, you know, right? Actually, you know, John had his visions, but at the same time, you know, I, I think Paul was actually, they're more like a, more like a Zechariah. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, when Paul makes reference of the third heaven, you know, whether I was there, I don't know. Whether I was there in spirit, whether there's a vision or I was actually there, I don't know. And this is Paul saying, I don't know. This isn't, you know, Joe Schmo saying, I don't know. This is Paul saying, I don't know. But Paul references the third heaven because in, in accordance to rabbinical teaching, gleaned from Deuteronomy, especially this passage right here, we see the realm of the earth where, where the birds fly and that is referred to as the first heaven and then where the stars are and the planets, that's referred to as the second heaven. But the third heaven, the heaven of heavens, wherein is found the Lord's throne. You see? That's this reference here in verse 14. And indeed heaven, that would be like the second heaven. And the highest heavens, which is the heaven of heavens, that would be the throne room of the Lord, belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth that is in it, that would be the first heaven. You see, three. The Lord delighted in verse 15, only in your fathers, uh, the Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, to love them. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to non-believers, agnostics, or even, you know, some of the carnal believers, some of the baby believers who say, I don't like to study the Old Testament because the Lord's too mean in the Old Testament. I like to study maybe the Psalms, maybe a little Proverbs. Yeah, Proverbs is kind of hardcore, but maybe, you know, I do the Psalms if I do the Old Testament, but I like the New Testament a lot. It's not a bad thing to like the New Testament, to love the New Testament. I mean, we're, we're, of the new covenant, but we must, must, must study the old, the old interpreting new, new interpreting old. A lot of times when I talk to these people, believer and non-believer alike, I don't like the Old Testament because God is mean, but I don't see that. God isn't loving, God isn't loving. But what you see here, he says in verse 15, the Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, to love them. And he chose their descendants after them. You, above all peoples as it is to this day. Remember what we studied last week? It's not because you're awesome. No exaltation of the flesh. It's because the Lord, he is sovereign. You see? I'm not a Calvinist, you know. You talk to Calvinists, reformed. I'm not Calvinist nor reformed. But a lot of times you talk to them, oh, God is sovereign, 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 God is all these. That's all they say. But I say this, if you're Calvinist or reformed, and you lean on the sovereignty of God, which isn't a bad thing, behave like it. Let your deeds, let your acts let your works, let your obedience reflect the sovereignty of the Lord. And I don't say that to be mean, but I say that if you're Calvinist and Reformed. And, by the way, while we're at it, if you're Calvinist or Reformed, I also say this. Come out of her, my people. John Calvin taught poison. You see? 
Do not abide in John Calvin because that will not save you. Abide in Christ, the real Christ, the one in accordance to Genesis to Revelation. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand. Also listen to the message, do not take the mark of the beast. You'll see why these Calvinists and Reformed teachers are starting to teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast. And yet we see this in verse 16. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Pause. Pause right here. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. What? What? This is impossible. How is it possible to circumcise the foreskin? I mean, it's entirely possible to circumcise foreskin in accordance to the flesh. But how is it possible to circumcise the foreskin of your heart? Moses, what in the world are you talking about? We're in that second generation about to pass through the promised land. Moses, okay, time out, Moses, time out. What? Time out. What are you talking about, Moses? To circumcise the foreskin of your heart? What in the world? Moses, this is impossible. Bingo. Bingo. Another loophole of the law of Moses. Yet another loophole in the law of Moses. You see? It's so powerful because when Moses says this, circumcise the foreskin of your heart, I wonder how many people multitudes that Moses was speaking to. I mean, picture how quiet it must have been because Moses is an old man. I mean, he might be speaking at higher decibels, but he's an old man and there's multitudes of people. And so like the people in the front, they could hear, but like the people in the back, like, you know, like, what did he say? What are you like the whispering? What did he say? What is everybody like, shh, keep it down. We got to hear him. And when you go to some of these, I mean, if you've ever traveled into some of these regions of the land, it's so, from a topographical sense, it's so powerful how like the, the mountains are, it's almost like a natural auditorium. Have you ever been to like an, an auditorium, a, a good auditorium, not like a, like a cheesy, you know, school one, but I'm talking about like a really nice auditorium where the, the, the wall, the construction, the walls, everything is made for like the, like the top of the line. Uh, like if you, if you go to like the, uh, uh, like a symphony, but like a good, not like a, you know, elementary school symphony. I'm talking about like, you know, world-class symphony and you're in those rooms those auditorium those 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 rooms that you could be in any you could be seated in you could be in nosebleed you could be in like you know front row you can be anywhere in the left right even in the back you could be anywhere and the sound is like the supremest sound no no speakers no nothing everywhere in that room everywhere you can hear everything you can hear a pin drop because the way it's designed, the way it's structured, sound waves bouncing off here, bouncing here, bouncing here. The way everything is perfectly made so that you can be anywhere in the room and hear pristine sound of this symphony orchestra. But you go to some of these natural places, it's like the landscape itself was like a natural auditorium where you could like sound could, you know, go forth and bounce from here, here, boom, 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 boom. And you could be like far, far away. And you could hear like 
a pin drop. It's so powerful because before the Catholics came into, uh, you know, uh, 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 certain regions, you know, church groups would go on these uh, uh, trips to Israel and they would st stand in like the Sea of Galilee, how there was like, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the land comes up from the water. And what would happen is like the pastors would walk way, 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 way down and tell the church, tell the congregation, you know, okay, everybody, you stay here, you stay here. And the church, the pastor would walk and just like for a long distance, walk close to the water. And the way the land was formed, it was like a, like a cup almost, like a natural auditorium. And the way the wind would blow, the wind would carry voices, the wind would carry sounds. And so... The pastor would give like a symbol, like a signal, like wave his hands, you know, and then the church would wave their hands and say, okay, we're listening. And then the pastor would speak, not yell, but just speak at just like a normal tone. And the way those, those sound waves went forth, the church way up, but like near the top of the mountain, near the top of the hill, they could hear everything because it was like a natural auditorium. Then the Catholics came and they put a gate and, you know, they, they blocked that off so you can't do that anymore. But old school, what they used to do back in the day, like in the 60s and the 70s, but, then, you know, the Catholics came and they did they did away with that. So they don't do that anymore. But that's how it used to be, old school days. And the Catholics. Oh, but the Catholics are Christians, so it's okay. It's not Christianity. Not biblical Christianity. And so we see this. Moses says here in verse 16, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart. And I wonder if there was anybody there. In this second generation, dead parents, the parents they might have been, you know, by one of the plagues, not the plagues of Egypt, one of the plagues, remember the javelin? I'm talking about one of those plagues. Either that or maybe the earth opened up and swallowed up. Mommy and daddy, maybe the earth opened up and swallowed up those who aligned themselves with Korah. Mommy and daddy no longer around. And of that second generation, maybe somebody way in the back in this natural auditorium, so to speak. And they hear Moses, the old man, speaking in his voice, carrying, bouncing off rocks, you know, sound waves bouncing off rocks so that the person way in the back can hear. And all of a sudden, in his heart, in her heart, what is he talking about? Circumcision of the heart. Imagine a wife leaning over to her husband. Did he just say circumcise the foreskin of your heart? And a wife like, you know, I'm a female, you know, I don't have those things. But he's talking about the heart. What? But then look what is birthed inside of her. This hope. A fulfillment of a beautiful promise unto Abraham pre-law. This hope in the fulfillment of this law of the flesh. Foreskin of my heart? What? Imagine, I mean, if you're female, if you're one of my beautiful sisters in Christ, you're female. You consider your very heart. The foreskin of your heart. And belief in Jesus Christ. Your faith in Jesus Christ. Boom. Circumcision. You see? I wonder if there was anybody in that audience, anybody of that second generation, who started to think the little gears of faith. Not walking according 
to the eyes to see, but real eyes to see, which is the better vision. You know, we walk by faith, not by sight. I wonder what might have birthed inside the heart of any man there, the heart of any woman there, the heart of any boy there, any girl there, any old guy, any old lady there. Did Moses just say circumcise the foreskin of your heart, the foreskin? That's impossible. And all of a sudden those gears start to turn, wondering. You see, what? And then all of a sudden praying to the Lord, you know, everything breaks, you know, that it's all done. It's evening now and they go home in their tent and, you know, a little girl falls on her face before the Lord. You know, Lord, I, I heard Moses mention circumcision, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. And I'm female. I'm at any male, like, but I'm female and I don't get it. And all of a sudden that oneness with the God of Israel the gears of faith start to turn in baby girl. The gears of faith start to turn in, you know, anybody in that tent. Giving hope. The fulfillment of the law, it points to Jesus Christ. These are things that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees should have had. Because I could understand going to Jesus Christ. If I was a Pharisee, scribe, Sadducee, I could understand going to Jesus Christ. And like, not like a, you know, like a interrogation, but just asking questions. Knowing the law, studying the law, going to this person who people are saying is the Messiah, the son of David. And just asking him questions, talking to him, hearing to him, hearing him speak, hearing him teach. And in the course of time, realizing because of the circumcision of heart, something we've been waiting for since we were students. Remember, we're religious leaders of the law, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. And because we have that circumcision of heart, which gives birth to faith, hope, which is a substance in evidence of things unseen. And not interrogating Jesus Christ. You know, putting a lamp to his face. You know, well, what did you say here? What did you mean here? No, no, no. Just sitting on a rock in the wilderness. Sitting on a stump by the sea. Just having a conversation. You said this. You know, the people call you teacher. And you said this. Can you tell me what you meant? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to interrogate you. But I just I just need to know because, you know, I, I love the people. I do these things for the people. And I want to protect them. And I want to pour into them. And yes, this is in accordance with the law. But since I was a child, I've had this hope in the circumcision of heart. I've had this hope just burgeoning in my heart. In my bosom, I've had this hope. And I'm not, I'm not interrogating you. And I, I'm not asking you these questions to be mean. I'm asking you these questions to protect them. The people of God, the God that I serve. And then all of a sudden, the Lord teaches. Well, it is written. Isaiah the prophet said this. Moses said this. He taught this. Hosea said this. Jeremiah said this. You see, 
Zephaniah said this. Joel said this. And the religious leader, the one who has studied the law, who's had this circumcision of heart since he was a child, falls to his face. Forgive me, Lord, because I said that the people referred to you as a teacher. But Lord, you are the son of the Most High. Forgive me for referring to you that way. You are the Messiah. And then to get up and tell all the people the Messiah is here. Jesus Christ is here. The son of David, he is here. Go to him. I must decrease. You go to him. That's what should have happened. But instead, the religious leaders crucify him. We have no God but Caesar. Crucify him. What in the world happened? The law has an inability to touch the heart. In verse 16, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. This only happens on better tablets. Not tablets of stone but the very tablet that is in your rib cage. <laughs> and then he says in verse 18, and be stiff-necked no longer. <laughs> be stiff-necked no longer. Stiff-necked no longer. The law cannot do this. The law written on two tablets cannot do this. The law on two tablets cannot make a person be stiff-necked no longer. The law has inability to make this type of change. Now, the law can address stiff-neckedness. I don't know if neckness is a word, but I'm going to say it. The law can certainly address stiff-neckedness. I mean, there's like, stoning there's you know you're outside the camp you say wait a second that's kind of scary stoning being ostracized that's that's absolutely scary you see that is absolutely scary and yet through the law which is a tutor through the law is learned the fear of god you say, wait a second, the law can address this by stoning. Yeah, absolutely. And in stoning, you know what is learned? The fear of the Lord. I'm not advocating stoning, but I'm just referencing these laws, these statutes. The leprosy. Leprosy is scary. That means I've got to, I'm outside the camp. I'm over here. You know, I like to be inside the camp where it's nice and warm. I got a tent here. It's got to be with my family. I can see my friends, but over here I'm unclean and I don't want that. I don't want leprosy. It's scary. I don't want stoning. It's scary. I saw this guy get stoned. You know, he, 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 you know, uh, killed this guy and I saw what they did. And according to the law, they stoned him. I don't want that. I, it was scary. I saw it. That's scary. Yes, it's scary. It's dreadfully scary. 
But in that fear is learned the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom, which means what? There is more to learn. You see? There is more to learn, and this happens through the son of David, Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Christ. You see? All these things. One little verse. The one little verse, verse 16. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Well, the law cannot do this. Now, the law can lead and point... But the law can also give birth to this hope. You see? To get to the heart of the matter. Better tablets. You see? I mean, it just so happens that we finished our study through Galatians on Sunday. And now we see this. In Deuteronomy 10, for such a time as this, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. If you're female, you're listening, and you are not a believer, I say this to you. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. You say, well, I don't like how you say that. You know, you, you don't, don't say foreskin. You shouldn't mention foreskin. Why not? I'm not speaking in accordance to the flesh. I'm not called to teach the dead. The dead have dirty minds. The dead let their minds go off into crazy town. I speak to the living. If you're female, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. And if that's you, and you believe in Jesus Christ, and you want to commit your life to Him, you hit pause and listen to the message how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you, right here, right now, this very day, today is the day of salvation you come to Christ. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. And be stiff-necked no longer. <gasps> How dare you say that to me? Listen, I was stiff-necked as well. I tell you from experience, when in my state of stiff-neckedness, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to say it, in my state of stiff-neckedness, the Lord messed me up. I don't want anybody to come to Christ on the path that I took. And I say this to help you. And then grow and mature in Christ. Listen to our studies through First and Second Corinthians. It will help you grow and mature in Christ. Be stiff-necked no longer. If you are lukewarm, if you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you're a Christian, but you like the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the gambling, the tax cheat, you like the Buddha, you like the Ouija boards, you like the hot yoga, you like all the craziness of the world. Be stiff-necked no longer. And you recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And you also grow and mature. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And you'll grow and you mature. And you become a remnant of these last days. Look at what he says here in verse 17. For the Lord, your God. Your God. Remember, speaking to the next generation of Israel. For the Lord, your God, is God of gods. You see? Now, God of gods, he said, there's... There's no denying there's other gods. Remember the gods of Egypt? Where are they now? Look at Egypt. Egypt. Pharaoh was God on earth. And you know what they, I'm doing my air quotes, God on earth. That's, that's how Pharaoh was acknowledged in, in the world was, you know, God on earth. 
And they had their gods. They had their forms of worship. They had, you know, whoever it is that they worship. They had that. Their system of religion. There's no denying these other gods. But Jehovah. Jehovah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jehovah. He is most high. Egypt believed in these other gods. What did that get them? You see? Israel believed in Jehovah. Look at them. Where's Pharaoh today? Where is Pharaoh today? I mean, it's 2021. I had to think about that for a moment. 2021. October 2021. That's where we're in. October 2021. 2021. My question to you. Where is Pharaoh? Where is Pharaoh? Straight up. You say, well, that's a dumb question. Is it? Where is Pharaoh? And where is Israel? Proof is in the pudding. Jehovah is most high. Verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. This is Adonai, which is sovereign, the sovereignty of Lord, of the Lord. And the great God. What do we have? We have Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai. He is the most high, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. There's no corruption in him. No corruption in him. He doesn't take the he's, he's no respecter of persons. Remember, he shows no partial parti in him. There is no partiality. No respecter of persons. Old Testament, New Testament. No respecter of persons. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes, thus saith the Lord. No partiality, nor takes a bribe. He, in verse 18, he administers justice or translates as he bestows measure for the fatherless and the widow. I love this so much. Are you a widow? Are you a widow? Are you fatherless? This is the Lord. Not a God. Not Pharaoh. Not Buddha. Not the Krishnas, not Mary. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Adonai, Jehovah, the Most High. Look at what he says here in verse 18. He bestows measure for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. You see, these people, these non-believers, the agnostics, Oh, God is mean. The Old Testament, even the carnal Christians, even the baby Christians. Oh, I don't read the Old Testament because God is mean. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I read the Old Testament. We study, if you've been walking with us for a while, we study. I don't see meanness. I don't see it at all. 
But you know what we do see? Old Testament and New Testament, you know what we do see? We see the Lord is reactionary. He responds to obedience and he responds to disobedience. You see? Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord sees and he responds to righteousness and to wickedness. Remember, the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. He is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. You say, well, wait a second. How come, how come we don't see Sodom and Gomorrah anymore? You know, I've, I've been, I'm 103 years old. How come I have never seen Sodom and Gomorrah? That's called long suffering. That's called mercy. But it will come. It will come. Destruction will come. Wrath upon the world, it will come. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be saved. And if you're listening and you still, I mean, we're like an hour deep, an hour and a couple minutes deep. And if you're listening and you still haven't heeded my exhortation, my strong urging for you to repent and receive Jesus Christ and be born again, I'll say it again. Get in the ark. Get in the ark. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. God loves you. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. You say, wait a second, I'm not Jewish. Look, I'm Buddhist. I was raised Buddhist. I'm not Jewish. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, what are you talking about? Look, I'm from South America. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Krishna. I can't do... Listen. I'm not denying these other gods. These other gods are in complete existence today. I mean, we read prophecy. You see that there are gods. Of, you see gods that are in control of certain regions. Demonic. There's no denying the spirit realm and, you know, just like the gods that Egypt worshipped. But they are not the most high. They are not the most high. There is only one. Jehovah Jireh. Adonai. Elohim. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You, the same way I did, I tell you from experience, I had to deny the old gods that I served. Just like Jethro did too. Denying the gods of Midian. And being grafted into Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you do the same. Where is Pharaoh today? You see? Where is Pharaoh today? God on earth. People would worship him. Where is he today? Oh, but he's God on earth, almighty Pharaoh. That's what they said. But where is he today? Gone. Gone. Pharaoh can't save. Buddha can't save. Mary can't save. Krishna can't save. You know who can? Jehovah. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know how he does it? His son. He sent his son into the world so that the world through him might be saved. I say might be saved. The Bible says might be saved because the ball's in your court. I can't, you know, get off the boat, pick you up, and throw you in the boat. I can't do that. But I can stand in the boat, at the door of the boat, and say, hey, come on. Get inside. Get in the ark. You say, well, I've been alive for 103 years. I can't, I never saw Sodom and Gomorrah. I've never seen, you know, oceans part. I've never seen all these signs and wonders that we see in the Old Testament. I haven't seen these things. Well, don't forget that Jesus Christ says it's a wicked and cruel generation who seek after a sign. You know why? Because the things that we receive are by faith which has a substance, the substance and the evidence of things unseen, the substance of things hoped for. You say, I see now. I get it now. Okay, well, what are you waiting for? Take my hand and let's get in the ark. Come on. And you believe in Jesus Christ and be born again because that first generation must die. The second generation passes through the promised land. He says this in verse 19. Remember, Israel having received, and now he says this in verse 19, Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Remember, to whom is given, much more is required, the same God. We're straight up in the Torah. Already, we're, I mean, we're in the Torah, and already, how many times have we seen the inability of the law? How many times have we already, and we're just in Deuteronomy 10, but how many times have we seen the law's inability to address the things of the Spirit, to address the things of the heart? Now, the law has an ability, an absolute ability, ability to instill fear. But it's not fear for the sake of fear. There's a purpose behind it. Because fear is the beginning of wisdom. You see? And it is written in the very Torah. In the very law of Moses in the Torah. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 16. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. That's beautiful. In closing, verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God and shall you shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast, which is to abide. You see, <laughs> Moses, when, remember the Pharisees? They're so hardcore. They're hardcore in Moses. But Jesus Christ would talk to the Pharisees and the Pharisees, oh, you know, we don't believe you. People say you're the Messiah, but we're hardcore. We follow Moses. And Jesus Christ was like, what? what you, Moses wrote about me. Moses wrote about me, Jesus Christ said. I'll say it again. Moses wrote about me. Now put yourself in the Pharisee's shoes. We're hardcore. We believe in Moses. We're hardcore. We believe Moses. We do things according to the law. We do things. 
Have you not read, Pharisees? Have you not read? Verse 16, Deuteronomy 10, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. How can Moses accomplish that? How can the law of Moses accomplish that? Your fathers were stiff-necked, and look, all the generation are still stiff-necked. You, Pharisee, are still stiff-necked. You see? And therefore, in this state of stiff-neckedness, you are outside of Christ. Oh, but we're hardcore. We believe in Moses. Moses wrote about me, Jesus Christ said. Do you not see Pharisees? Do you not see scribes? Do you not see Sadducees? No, they didn't see. Not all of them. Some of the Pharisees denied their pharisaical ways and believed in Jesus Christ, but they didn't deny all of their pharisaical ways. And that was the birth of the Hebrew Roots Movement, which we studied in our, you know, just so happens that we finished Galatians. Listen to all of our study through Galatians, including the introduction to Galatians. You'll understand. Righteousness does not come through the law. If it did, then Jesus Christ died in vain. I don't like saying that, but I'm just echoing the words of Paul. Then Jesus Christ died in vain. I don't like the thought of Jesus Christ dying in vain. He did not die in vain. He died to pay the price for your sin and my sin. You see? And Moses is saying this to a generation that needs to hear the truth. You see? The prophets, in their generation, the people needed to hear the truth. Apostles, in their generation, the people needed to hear the truth. Even today, people need to hear the truth. You see? Not candy coating. Not friendliness with the world. I'm not talking about, you know, let's go in the world and blow things up. No. Friendliness with the world is enmity with God. I speak supernaturally. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, striving to live peaceably with men. But at the same time, never abandoning the Lord himself, the Lord who bought us. He says this in verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and to him you shall hold fast, which is to abide. How does the law enable a person to abide in the law? When the law was the additive, when the law was added, I'll give you the, the answer. It is impossible. Because being heirs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is by faith. Thus fulfilling what the scripture teaches, all Israel will be saved, including those grafted in. The law itself has provisions for Gentiles to be grafted in. How many times did you hear us say that? Provisions in the law for the grafting in of Gentiles, and thus all of Israel will be saved. Listen to our study through Romans 11. You'll understand that. You see? And to him, in verse 20, you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He, in verse 21, 
He is your praise and he is your God. Who has done for who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen? Let me say that again. He is your praise and he is your God. Who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen? I'll say it again. Which your eyes have seen. I'm going to say it yet another time which your eyes have seen. And finally, one more time, which your eyes have seen. Well, why did I do that? Abraham did not see what this generation saw. Isaac did not see what this generation saw. Jacob did not see what this generation saw. Moses here is saying, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. This generation, those who received the law, they saw these things with their eyes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had to receive by faith and it was counted to them for righteousness sake. For you and me, we receive these things by faith. By faith, not in accordance to the law, but by faith. We receive the promises of the Lord. And we are not only grafted into Israel, but heirs according to not the law. Heirs according to faith. You see, you and me, we walk by faith and not by sight. If you walk by sight and not by faith, repent. Change your ways, O man. Change your ways, O woman. And learn to walk by faith in accordance to the Spirit, not in accordance to the flesh. If you walk according to the flesh, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And those around you, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Don't do that. Learn. Learn. You say, how can I learn? I don't have a pastor. Find the pastor. Find the teacher. Be a Berean. Yes, study the scriptures to show, so show yourselves approved. But don't study the scriptures to be look for loopholes, to make excuses for your sin. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to the strip club and I'm going to search the scriptures that will permit me to go to the strip club. I'm going to search for the scriptures that will permit me to be a tax cheat, that will permit me to do these things of the flesh or that will advance my ways in accordance to the flesh. That will, you know, the scripture says this. Oh, look, I'm abiding in Christ. Look, I'm obedient to the word of God. Look, how this is good. This is good. This is good. No, because the Lord sees the heart. What is your motive? Is it carnal? Is it of the flesh? Is it evil? Is it wicked? Repent from your ways, O man. Repent from your ways, O woman. And I tell you these things from experience, not to hurt you. These things are abrasive. I know they're abrasive, but I tell you from experience to help you. This generation, their eyes have seen these very things. But for today's generation, no eye has seen, no eye hath seen. (laughs) 
to those who have ears. <laughs> Verse 22, in closing, your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons. Remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study through Genesis. This is Joseph and his brothers and the families of Jay and families and their families and Jacob. When Jacob was brought down, he thought his son Joseph was dead. He sees Joseph. Oh my goodness, Joseph. Joseph, you're alive. I haven't seen his beautiful son for. He got old, got married in Egypt. Jacob, oh, my beautiful son, Joseph. Your fathers went down, verse 22, to Egypt with 70 persons. And now, that was back then. And now, to this next generation that Moses is saying, don't forget these things, you guys. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, remember, we're going to cover the good, the bad, the ugly. And I want things to be good. But in order for things to be good, we have to understand the ugly. We have to understand the bad. And don't forget. And now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude, you see. It's so powerful. In Egypt, Joseph, Savior of Egypt, a type of Christ at the right hand of Pharaoh, and then all of a sudden, God was forgotten. And now, instead of Israel being a friend, Israel became the enemy. Egypt placed Israel in bondage. And even in the camp of Israel, God became forgotten. Not with all. Not with all. But God became forgotten in Egypt, in the house of Egypt, and also in the house of God, in the house of Israel. God became forgotten. But just as is written here, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude, understanding that what happened with Israel up until this point, even in their infidelity unto the Lord, God, Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai, he remained faithful. He remained faithful, as is written, His mercy endureth forever. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.